Do you think about the military a lot? All the time. They do things that we don't see usually, don't hear about, but it's because of them that we're able to be here today. And it's my great honor and privilege to present our speaker this morning, Captain Robert Williams. Would you show him a great Dover Assembly appreciation? Good morning. So I have to keep my eyes with me. So you'll have to excuse me as I use them from time to time. And I want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Jeff and First Lady, to the officers of the church, to the choir, to the tech folks, to the teachers, to the members, and those that have come to be with us this day. Uh, God is truly good. And so... Um, when I speak, um, my Italian part comes out to me, so I use my hands a lot, you know. So it's we're one great American melting pot. And so what's really special to me is to let people know how much God loves them, right? So if you would turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you and I love you. And then turn to your other neighbor and say, God loves you and I love you. And so whether or not the neighbor loves you, God loves you, and that's all that really matters, right? And so uh, I've learned that from uh, this gentleman who was the first African-American warrant officer in the Marine Corps, Jim Johnson. And uh, he came and he spoke at our graduation many, many years ago. And he was so caught up on love you know, and, and I just love people. I don't care if you're black or white or yellow or blue, green, if you're male or female or pronoun, you know, I love people, you know, because that's what God wants us to do. We're not to judge, we're to love and allow God to do the rest, you know. But, you know, there's not, uh, if you're gonna speak, you gotta say something that's gonna be profound so people can, remember you you know that's what some people think and so it's a little story i don't know if you guys have uh, heard of this but uh you ever heard about the deacon and the choir director taking the pastor on a fishing trip have you guys heard that story yet all right well i guess i'll have to enlighten you so the pastor had been working really really hard maybe even had a birthday i don't know he could have and so what the church wanted to do to show their gratitude is they said, we're going to take him out fishing, you know, and they had this favorite spot on this lake. And the pastor was all excited. I really, really need a break. So they get on their boat and they go out about uh, 300 yards or so and they drop anchor. And they're out there and they're getting ready to go fishing. And the choir director says, hey, we forgot the tackle box. And the pastor's like, that's okay, let's take the boat and we'll drive back in and we'll go pick it up. And they're like, nah, 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 I'll walk. So he gets out and he walks on the water, he goes, picks up the tackle box, bring it back, puts it down. The pastor's like, wow. Then they went in there and he was like, wait, we forgot the bait. So the choir director says, hey, I'll go get it. So he hops off the boat, walks down, picks it up and brings it back. The pastor's really, really puzzled. He says, oh, we forgot our food. And the pastor says, I'll go get it. He walks off the boat, sinks straight to the bottom. And the choir director and the deacon says, we should have told him where the rocks were. <laughs> That's a true story, I think. All right. So this morning, you know, when I, two things I really want to say really quickly is when the kids are dancing. I don't know if you guys know the story of King David, but he was so excited he danced out of his clothes because he was praising the Lord. 
He had on Hanes underwear, though, let me tell you. But, <laughs> but, but he was dancing because we serve an awesome, awesome, awesome God. And if you don't know that, you will by the time I'm finished. You have an awesome pastor. Pastor Jeff and I met a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he trusts this other pastor at my church. I don't know why, but he does. And, he, hey, let's put on a Veterans Day program. And he's like, yeah, just get with this guy. He'll help, you know, set it up. I think three weeks, three weeks, you know. So if you're talking about pressure. You know, and so there was a couple of things we wanted to try. We tried to get a, a unit to come and post the colors, but they were in a competition yesterday. And, uh, and I'm really big on trying to get kids involved because our future, I tell you, is at risk. And if we don't invest today, you know, uh, it, it, where will we be? You know, and kids are so important. And right now the devil's focus is how can I turn them away from Christ? How can I turn them away? How can I destroy families? If you're not having a struggle somewhere in your family or in your personal life, in your work life, hold on, it's coming. Because he does not want us to be successful. All right, so do you mind if I pray? I, I love to pray for the anointing. Father God, I come to you and we just come together as a group of folks, dear God, sinners saved by grace. Just asking, dear God, that you will pour out your anointing on us right now. Dear God, only allow me to say what it is you would have me to say. Dear God, only allow us to hear what you would have us to hear. We bless you so much, dear God, that we live in a country, Father, where we can worship you freely in spirit and in truth. We just ask you to rain down upon us right now, dear God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so don't forget, uh, if Pastor uh, wants to go on a fishing trip, let him know where those rocks are. We, we want him to come back. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is my battle is not over. You know, so I want you to think about that for a second. One of the things I wish they would incorporate into Veterans Day is that we would also recognize our police force, our fire departments, our doctors, our nurses, guess what, our teachers, you know, because so many people give so much of themselves to their profession to help our children, right, to help us. Because if those people are disorderly, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we will be subjected to that. And we as a world, and, and we're so spoiled in America, you know, as I was watching the video, I was kind of teary-eyed because I was thinking um, of the time we were in war. And so one night, <clears throat> we're in Iraq, and these bombs are, well, we're working on a computer, and these bombs started dropping, you know. We're in this uh, elementary school building that we had taken over. And so um, we reached for our gear. We put our gear back on, and back to the computer, we started working, you know. And, I'm, and I just start cracking up laughing, you know. Like, sir, what's wrong with you? I'm like, do you guys just realize what we've done? You know, you get so insulated to where you are, it's, I got to do the mission. I'm like, here we are getting bombed, and we're worried about our budget. Anybody thinking that maybe we should take shelter somewhere? Uh, but we didn't have any shelter, so, you know. Uh, but I tell you, the veterans um, who put their lives on the line uh, for all of us in whatever capacity, because I would also argue that there are certain, uh, certain ordinary citizens that do the same thing today, you know. And so, but today I wanna kind of focus on being a veteran of Christ. How many of you know we have the best commander in chief that's out of this world and his name is Jesus Christ? You know, he is the best, you know, and I can choose to take orders from him or I can choose not, but if I do the second, that's not going to be good for me. If I do the first, I still may have some challenges because he said in this world we are going to suffer, right? Because they did not, not like him either. Not at all. They did not like him. And so what we're going to talk about is the whole armor of God. And I'm going to try to give it to you in a different kind of aspect. And then we're going to end with four uh, takeaways. Um, so I was raised Southern Baptist. 
And, and so what that means, uh, according to um, Pastor Jeff, is this should only take about an hour and a half. We'll take a break, and then we'll have another hour and a half for me to get to the four takeaways. Is that okay with you? Uh, okay, no, just kidding. So I've been converted. I go to Assemblies of God now. I go to Christian Life Assembly. Uh, if you ever want to come and see an extraordinary Christmas drama, um, I paid them to let me be in it, a lot of money. And so they did. And that's the third uh, or the fourth through the twelfth. And we really have a lot of fun. And what I really love about our pastors are is that they reach out to other churches and we work as a team. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, I was asking somebody, um, you know, uh, what color is God? You know, these two guys were having this argument, you know. And, um, and so the one guy's like, he's white. Really? No, he's black. No, he's white. So the white guy says, um, well, he said, I am that I am, right? And, and he was like, yeah. He said if he was black, he'd have said, I is what I is, you know. <laughs> so if you don't know me by now, I love to have fun with God. I, I, I think that he's so awesome to me. And, uh, and if you don't, just look at all the people around you sometime, and you're like, it's got to be a God that created him or her. But anyway, so, but he loves us. He does. And, and, and I tell you, if you cannot love your neighbor who you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? And, and he didn't want us to be boring, you know, to, let's be all serious and, you know, proper. I, I'm not the guy. So Pastor Jeff was probably saying, oh, my God, what have I done? So anyway, so we're going to get about we're going to talk about the whole armor of God. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And, and so what is happening, just so you can relate to what's going on, it really starts, uh, kind of the background of it is Paul is writing to the people at Ephesus. And so what has happened is <clears throat> Diana, who's considered the goddess of fertility. Or love, they try to use love, but this, I'm glad you said that because it's important because when I get down to Genesis, you're going to understand how the world will try to take God's word and use it to make it similar just to get what they want out of it. Only God of love is God. There is no substitute. Nothing. No one. None of us. God is all by himself. And so there was this blacksmith named Demetrius. And it was in Acts chapter 2 verses, I think. 19 through 40 or 21 through 40. And so what they were doing, they were seeing that these Christians were spreading the word and it was contrary to a lie. Can you believe it? That is contrary to a lie because God's word is truth. And so as they were seeing that these uh, temples of Diana's were being destroyed and Demetrius was making all these little small idols who have credit cards. <laughs> Got to be careful. They're like Diana. So, and so what he was doing, so Paul is in this, this fight, not personally, right, but spiritually. We fight against things we can't see. That's what we fight against. And, you know, when I talked to, <clears throat> I was talking to a guy the other day, I, I hold Bible study a couple of days during the week, and I was telling them, you know, I can understand why when people read the Bible and they try to understand the symbology of it, that they can believe in aliens. Because if I try to read it literally, it could drive me crazy. That's why the spirit has to be involved. You cannot read the Bible literally because you'll find every mistake and then some. And then when the spirit comes on the scene and really, truly show you how you should read the Bible, then you'll have the understanding of God. So remember what I said? I said, Diana, goddess of fertility. Genesis 1, 27 and 28, God made us in his own image. And he told us to multiply and be, be fruitful, replenish the earth and have dominion over it. There's not one animal, not one tree, 
not one statue. There's nothing I can think of besides human beings that he was talking about. And only two can produce a child, and I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, be harsh on anyone. I'm just reading what the word says, right? And he says, because we can reproduce, and then what's even funny, um, how many people know who Moses married? Who? Anybody know? He married an Ethiopian woman. And so his sister decided that she was going to mock that, and God gave her leprosy. So whatever God puts together, regardless of the pigmentation or where people is from, what God puts together, we need to understand how can we take advantage of that and share it with other people. So my family is truly a uh, great American melting pot. My wife is from Mexico. My one daughter-in-law is Polish. My second daughter-in-law is Italian. I think my other daughter's dating a Scottish person. And I'm just like, oh my God. But if you don't love Jesus, then I have a problem with you, right? Because that's all I care. I said, if you decide you want to marry someone, he or she better be able, because how many of you know that marriage is tough? Toughest job you ever have. All the husbands are going to be quiet, though. They're like, oh, no, I love my wife. I do everything she says. Right? That's the best way to be. Keep your marriage that way. She is always right. Even when you're right, she's right. So don't forget that. Robert told you, I'll charge you $12.99 for that advice. You can pay me when you leave. All right. Let's get to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And I don't want to read all the verses to you. I'm just going to talk about them and then share. So I want you to know in those verses that is clearly telling us that we're fighting against principalities and power. So that means that you and I, how many go to the gym or drive by a gym? Probably about everybody in here, right? Do some type of working out, right? But we have to spiritually work out. If you are not getting on your knees or standing or however you want to pray, laying down, we have to have an effectual prayer life. And that prayer life is truly critical to our success while we're here on earth. So I want you to remember that powers and principalities. So some people may say, well, you know, I'm kind of concerned. But then go to 1 Peter 3.22. And what does it say? that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right, we have the victory. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So this is what I want you to picture, right? I want you to picture God, the Spirit, because we don't know what that means. And then I want to his right hand, he has Jesus Christ who's in his resurrected body that each and every one of us will have that have received him. And, and I could just see him sitting there, you know, Hey, Pastor Jeff's going through something. God, help him out. Sister Susie, she has a cold. God, help him out. Just cheering us on. Oh, I don't know what Carl's doing. God, whoop him and bring him back in. You know, because he loves us. Now, I'm just, just kidding, Carl. You know. but, but he might need to whoop you. I don't know. But, you know. but it's so wonderful that we have such a good shepherd that not only paves the way for us, but he also cares that when we're off track, he takes that shepherd's crook and pulls us back in. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you know we walk through the shadow of death every day? Every day. Clint Brown sings a song for, if it wasn't for grace. If it wasn't for grace, that truck that missed running over me. I was late five minutes and somebody was robbed. I was detained for some reason and I'm angry about it, and God says, you just don't know what I kept you from. So even when we go through and we don't understand, I let pass, you know, well, I have to be honest. So sometimes when I'm driving on the freeway, if I see somebody going really, really fast, and I know they need to slow down, and they're in the left lane, I'll get in front of them and slow them down. Because <laughs> I want them to know God has you. Don't be out there rushing, because you may be rushing into trouble. 
you know, now God will whoop me later if I did it wrong, but I'll do it. And, you know, and hopefully my car works if they decide to hit me anyway, you know, but I pray for my angels and so far he's kept me. So I want you to realize first Peter three twenty two, we have the victory. All powers and principalities are subjected to Jesus. When God raised him from the dead, he said, I give all power to you now. You, you, you do what you want. And, and I tell you, to be on Jesus' side is solely, so, truly, truly awesome. Then we want to talk about 613, and then we're going to go into detail uh, about these. And so what I want you to know, when we get ready to go to war, when we get ready to train for war, um, there's certain equipment that we need to make sure is in what we call a condition. You know, how many would want to go to battle and your bullets, uh, there was no gunpowder in your gun and you couldn't fire it? You know, so you're right in the middle of the battle and you send a message over to the enemy and you say, hey, can I have a training timeout for a few minutes? Uh, I need to work on my equipment. You know, can you just please wait for me? Give me a little time for me to regroup uh, my missile is kind of stuck in my tube, and I need to have my guys go down and take a look at it. Same thing applies in our lives. We have to be prepared at all times. Do you know what Satan has waiting for you when you walk out of the door? We probably don't. But we know who we serve, and we know who will protect us. We know we have the victory. Right. So that should be the exciting part. Whatever God allows me to go through, he will bring me. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have any problems or trials or tribulation, but we got to make sure that our equipment, our uniform or whatever we need that we take into battle, that it all works perfectly. Uh, an uh-oh doesn't work when I'm right in the middle of a fight. The good news is, our uh-ohs to Christ is already taken care of. So even when we're unprepared, when we call upon his name, it says, in the name of Jesus, everything shall bow. And when I looked up the definition of everything, I was trying to think if there was anything outside of everything. I couldn't find any when he said everything. So we should be excited. You know, how many going to go watch football today? You don't have to be honest, but I know you'll be cheering for your team. But just think if we cheered for Christ the same way. We have the best touchdown in Jesus. Uh, we've already won the Super Bowl. We already won the Pro Bowl. We already won the NBA championship. We even won curling. I don't even know how that's a sport, but it is. You know, okay. I don't think they have a video game yet, but I think curling's a sport. I'm watching that. I'm like, what? No. Anyway, so... So let's talk about our articles of warfare. And the reason why I don't read a lot of the scriptures is because I want you to go home and study them so you can make sure that I wasn't lying to you. Because if I say the wrong word, just call the pastor and say, I never want to hear from that guy again. All right. But I'm pretty sure I double checked it and there's a spelling error. That's okay. Uh, God gives me grace. So the first that he wants us to do is to be girded with the truth. All right. How many have ridden a, a roller coaster, an airplane, a train over a bridge, something where when you go down, your stomach just kind of goes to your throat? It's, it's, OK, I want to make sure not morning sickness because men don't understand that. But when but when, when it goes in your throat, you're like, oh, man, there's a change. You've been on the airplane and it drops like a couple of feet and you're like, oh, we're dying. You know, but you're still here. So God loves you. But he wants that belt of truth. And I truly believe that because if you've ever watched a boxing match, when you hit that guy, if he hasn't been working out in his gut, boom. I should say girl too now, right? Because there's women. Yeah, both. So when you hit him in the gut, if that gut is weak, they're going to fold really, really quickly. Right? And so, but when we have the belt of truth, that is upon us. And who is the truth? Jesus. He said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. So if we have already got our midsection protected, man, 
We're ready. We're, we're almost ready. Not ready yet. Almost ready. But that's more, that is really, really important to make sure we have the belt of truth. And then I like the righteousness. So what's a breastplate? Anybody know what is, what is a breastplate? Or what do we call it today? Say again. Body armor. Okay. You see the things when the police are out there and they're getting our SWAT team and they have these flat gears. You know, they're protecting. Why? Because you have vital organs. Right? So you want those organs protected. The breastplate. If you go back to the Roman soldiers, they're, they're made out of steel. I mean, those guys really worked out because, I mean, they make them with six packs. So you can really look tough. Look at those guys. Everybody in this army has a six pack. Oh, that's going to be hard to defeat them. They work out. So at least that's, I guess, what that, that, that mind tactic, right? Because if I look tough and I am tough, victory is probably almost certain if I've gotten into the minds of my enemies to where I've already put fear in them that I've won the battle. Then we're going to talk about the feet shot of peace. So when I sat and I read this piece, so what that tells me is that God always want us moving somewhere, being an example of who he is everywhere we go. So there's a saying that said, I don't be so more so earthly, you're no holy good. And don't be so holy, you're no earthly good. We have to find the balance. And it's not up to us to save people. It's up to us to live and be that example that God can use us and to be open. Because do you know the lady you're going to run into when you leave here today at the restaurant may just need a smile to help you help her get through the day? Because it's so hard and they can't find help and we'll complain because, oh, now my service is 22 minutes later instead of 21. You know, grace Grace is what God, so peace, if you're at peace, right, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be the children of God, right? I don't know about you, but I want to be God's child because I read in Revelation and it says, devil zero, God, that number's so large, I don't even think we have a word for it. He won. So I want to be on the winning team. And as long as I've trusted and accepted Christ, then I could be at peace, even in the midst of my storm. How many of you know that the floods are going to come, the rains are going to pour, the winds are going to blow? It's going to happen in this lifetime. Somehow you and I will be impacted, but we have a decision to make. Will I trust? Because if I trust him and lean not unto my own understanding, God, I don't know why you're taking me through this trial. And I oftentimes think of Job. How many of you guys know that Job wasn't an Israelite? Did you guys know that? Now, from the east, right, but he wasn't an Israelite. But his, there's a story, book of him in the Bible. That's to let us know that we serve an incredible God. And he will use whomever he pleases, regardless of what we think. And I share with people, God doesn't care about our feelings. He cares about obedience. And then he, we can adjust our feelings later because obedience is better than sacrifice because he knows what's best for you he knows what's best for me he knows what's best for the world and i would ask you, if you're not doing it every day get on your knees for our leadership around the world not the country but around the world but then especially for united states because as i look and see where we're headed it concerns me it concerns me greatly even though I'm not in the service anymore, thank God I'm not in the Pentagon. I said, I could only imagine what they're going through right now, and it's not me. And I am so grateful, but at the same time, God, give them your wisdom, whether they want it or not. Beat it into them. Beat it into them, right? That's what I want. Beat it into them. I love living in a free country. I don't know about you. I love, and I've been to many, many countries, some that were free. But I, never, I don't want to be anywhere else than the United States. I don't. 
And my brothers and sisters in arms, in whatever capacity, I am so grateful. Because they say that a soldier will write a check. And that check will be whatever it takes and just deposit it. And I tell you, when you go and you see the ugliness of war, it'll change how you think, how you appreciate what you have, how you will respect one another as a human being. We need to come back. You know, I walk up to people sometime and just say hello, just to get a reaction out of them. And then if they talk to me, I say thank you. And they're like, what are you saying thank you for? I'm like, you know, people don't even talk anymore. I used to walk around in a uniform when I was in the Pentagon, and I would walk up to, you know, these attractive ladies that were kind of stuck up. <laughs> and um, I did, I, I promise you, I'm telling, this is really truthful. And I'd walk up and I'd say, good morning, my name is Robert Williams, I just want to let you know, I just want to say hello, and not all guys are dogs. Okay, have a great day, bye-bye, and walk off. And I would tell the lady that worked for me that I would do that, and she'd just shake her head, because she's like, I know you would. And the important thing to me is because we need not to lose that human interaction. There's a song that says, I need you, you need me. We need each other, period, you know, period. And as we mature, I know some of the mature folks know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're breathing, if blood's still running through your vein, you are not done. So I, I attend a Sunday school class. You take about seven of us out of there, and probably the average age is about 75. And they made a mistake and let me teach them. And uh, we had a great time. But if you are breathing, if you are breathing, if, God, if you have a mind, you can think, we need you. I don't know if you listen to the, there's a comedian named Sinbad you know, all the problems that we have in the world. He has a great solution. Uh, he said, we need to get grandmothers. We need to go get some swi switches. Anybody know what switches are? I bet the younger people don't know what they are, but I know what they are. And he said, we need to go and do drive-by whoopings. <laughs> huh? Can you imagine if we did some drive-by whoopings? But then you know what would happen. It'd be a legal system that we beat them or you know, we have to be nicer to the children and positive reinforcement. I'm telling you, when I got a whooping, I realized way back then, I didn't like them. They hurt. And I didn't get a lot of them. Well, I did because of my sister. So I'm the oldest and my mom would blame me for my sister, but not for me. I'm like, mom, uh, you know, and you ever just listen when they, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. And then you just want to take the switch and say, Let me, let's try it out. Let me whoop you and then see if you feel the same way. Because I disagree. You know, I'm like, my hiney hurt. You're still, I don't know. But, you know, but it's important because God loves us. He said, those I love, I chastise. Not because he hates us. You know, and I think about Job again. When I go back to him, it says, he did not sin with his lips. You know, if my wife is nagging, just curse God and die. And then I'm like, man, children gone, riches gone, friends are gone, and I, I, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. And it didn't say that Job didn't think about that. It just says, with his lips. So we have to be careful. I used to uh, participate with a church group where we used to take kids to camp, and I shared this with a person the other day and we we're at camp one day and one of the pastors there is like uh, this one group of kids I bet about 80% of them are going to end up in prison and that just did something to my spirit it bugged me like all day and I went to him later that night and I said uh, pastor I rebuke what you said and he's like what's that I said don't say these kids are going to end up in prison say these kids are going to make it out because we're making a difference we have to start speaking things as if they are, as if they are. We need to say, even if we don't, it seems impossible. God, you are changing the life, the lives of these people. And, and I may not see it, but it's okay. I'm going to believe it and I'm going to confess it. I apologize, Pastor. I know I'm getting off. Okay, let me go back to faith. Faith. 
Now, this is something that's tough. Why do I need a shield of faith? Why do you think he said a shield? Because the devil can attack us at all different angles in our lives. And so that shield is portable. means you can move it. You know, go back to the Romans and they had their shields. They wanted to shield a whole uh, division. They just put them all together. They just needed to shield themselves. They could just do that. But that shield of faith is truly important because you don't know where he may come from. But you can be prepared that that shield will withhold all the fiery darts of the devil. Why? Because God created it that way. Aren't you so glad you don't have to rely upon yourself? You know, when you first go to the military and they tell you to do, you know, 500 or 100 push-ups, most people can't do that. And, and I'll tell you today, many can't even get into the military because they can't pass the phys physical readiness test. It is incredible. A person cannot run, you know, if you like bonbons and ice cream and laying on the couch, that probably contributes. Um, but a mile and a half in 12 minutes at 18 years old. That's because if we're not careful and we keep our kids on those thingamabobs with their fingers, and that's the only thing that they're working out, right? And I have one. I have a 12-year-old, five, six, almost five, seven, and he's a brainiac. So I made him go to computer camp. I'm like, if I'm going to get something out of it, I mean, hopefully you can find a job in computers and take care of yourself because dad's going to die one day. But you can't say I didn't prepare you, but you still need to get off the couch. You know, how many of us like cleaning our rooms when we were younger? So I got to pick on the young people. I didn't say anything to them. They fall asleep. How many of you guys like cleaning your room? Mom, I'm going to clean my room for you. It's going to be spotless. No, what? No, 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 no. Okay. So that's the trick. So if you clean your room, your mom may give you something. Might. Never know. She might let you live in your house for free. What a concept. For free, you won't even have to pay any bills. Isn't that great? She buy you clothes, feed you, and let you go to school. Isn't that awesome? What a great bargain. He's like, yeah, I don't like that guy. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Salvation. So when I think about the head, right, and, and, and salvation, and, and, and I've always, we don't really understand what salvation is. I, or at least I don't. I'll speak for me. I, because I'm still alive. <laughs> salvation is, that means I am with God forever and ever and ever. And I was trying to, I'm like, there's not enough zeros for me to write forever. You ever thought about that? So if I live to be, and I think about the Old Testament, Methuselah, 969 years old, and I put that over infinity, and it was like a poof, right? I, I mean, when you think about the time with God, there's no comparison. Accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we benefit. How many, if I told you I have this scheme, that if you invest $100 and in two weeks it's going to turn into a million, it was for sure. And I said, yep, buy stocks in Tesla, right? They just shot up. But does it stay stable? There are no guarantees in this life. But here's the guarantee for the next life. Well, I should go back. Let me go back. There is a guarantee. If you're born, some point we're going to leave this earth unless Jesus comes back. And so if we're not investing today, you know, I don't want to be like that thief that was on the right side. You know, today you shall be in paradise. What if I had the hiccups or something when I was, if he, when he was talking to Jesus? He was Jesus, I was, and, and just died and didn't ask for forgiveness. Don't take your chance if you don't know who he is. And now, and you know, some people are like, well, you know, this Bible thumper, Jesus pleasers. And, no, it's a personal thing between you and him. You don't have to tell anybody. You can go in a little corner and, hey, God, I just want to accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my personal savior. So if I were to wake up on the other side of this life, I will be with you throughout eternity. 
you know. And that's the thing that motivates me. Because the other place, how many like going to the beach? Hades doesn't compare to any beach you've ever gone to, but it is hot. And there's no sand. I don't, at least I didn't read it right. But it's hot. And the separation from God is not worth it. Especially when he's already paved the way for you. I mean, how many, when you sit and think, seeing commercial, free, 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 free. That's what salvation is. It's free. That's the one good free thing that you can take to the bank and that check will be cash. It is free to all who just accept it. So let's talk about the sword. Now, this is the most important part of your offensive portion of going to war. Now, I said earlier, I don't know if you've seen pictures of uh, ships, but on my first one, we had what was called a five-inch 54 gun, and the bullet was probably about that big and probably just shy of 10 to 12 inches in diameter. And so when they shot that gun, you couldn't even be on the front part of the ship, and your whole ship would shake because of it. And so when they went into the first Iraq war, what they were doing is they were firing into Iraq. So they want to shake up the people. Hey, guess who's coming? Big brother. Because if you can get people afraid at, at the beginning, that helps you. So when you go and you see pictures of these Iraqi warriors or these Afghan warriors and they're surrendering, the reason why they're surrendering is because they're hungry. They're like, hey, man, if, if, if I just give up, then they'll feed me. They'll pay me. They'll take care of me. But I also would tell you, some of them, when they joined the Allied forces, that was a very tough decision. How do I know the U.S., France, Russia, China, how do I know that these people are going to stay with me for the longevity of the war? Because, you know, we don't normally put like a clock well, if I go to war today, uh, in two years it'll be over. The reason why you don't know that is because the enemy has a say-so, which is really tough. And when it comes to our lives, the enemy has a say-so. If we're not careful, if we allow, you know, if you give the devil like an inch, you know, because people are like, well, the devil's always bothering me. I say, invite him to praise and worship service of God. And see what happens. Devil, you want to hang around me? Yep, okay, we're going to go praise Jesus. He don't like that. You know, we don't need to be, well, I'm fighting. No, I don't. I need to be praying. Because I cannot defeat him on my own. I am not equipped. But I know in the mighty name and in the blood of Jesus Christ, I have the victory. All right, so um, do we need to take a restroom break before we keep this hour and a half? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so these are my four takeaways that I want to leave you with uh, today. First and foremost, if you read uh, Ephesians 6:18, and it talks about prayer. Don't do anything in your life without praying about it. So you're like, well, what do you mean? If I know something is wrong and I shouldn't be doing it, I've tried it before, God, help me to be the best sinner I can be if that's in your will. Does that make any sense? No. I tell people, okay, I'm going to share something with the younger couple that I share with a lot of folks when they get married. I have a 100% proof, a 100% way to never cheat on your spouse. And this could go either way. So what you do is if somebody comes and proposition you, you say, hey, I agree, but we need to do one thing first. And they're like, what's that? Call my spouse and get his or her permission. I'm pretty sure mine, after the phone cracks from the screaming and yelling, the answer would be an emphatic no. But when we go to God 
and we go to him and ask him for advice, he's not going to give his approval for us to do anything that's outside of his will. That's the point. God, I want you to help me to go and mess up my life. God is not going to approve that because he loves you and me so much that he said, I'm going to give you a special gift. And I feel saddened when people reject him. And I'll tell you, coming back from Iraq, the one thing the Navy or DOD is trying to improve is how can I help these folks that have been to war? Some people come back and they have what's called survivor's guilt. Why did I survive and they did not? And oh, you're going to send me to this doctor who has no understanding about how to help me because he or she has not gone over. So what can they tell me? They read a book. But veterans sometimes have to connect with other veterans. So when they say, I've been in that foxhole, I've seen people and horrendous things that have happened. And so I'm telling you, if you walk with me, I will help you make it. And that's the same thing with us as Christians. When we see our sisters and our brothers and they're being challenged, instead of judging, what if we held their hands and say, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take you. Not enable. That's a different thing. That means I'm not, not in contribute. But I want to hold you accountable so that we can get through this together. Back at camp several years ago, um, the little girl, she was wearing gothic. You guys know what gothic is? And so I had these two boys, and um, there's a TV series called Jake and Cody. And all these girls thought these two boys were Jake and Cody. Like, okay. So Jake and Cody come to, uh, to where we were sleeping, and they're like, hey, Mr. Robert, you know, this girl named Michaela, and, you know, and we're scared. And so I go outside. I'm, you know, I will rush in the house with fire, just the way I am. And I said, so I walk up to Michaela, who's outside, and I'm like, Michaela, what's going on? And she's, in, you know, crying, you know, her mascara running. And, and so we're having a conversation. Well, tell me, what does this mean? And all these kids are around us. You know, she went to another church. I didn't know her friend Adam, but I was going to talk to her anyway. And I was like, well, why do you wear that? Well, you know, because I sit by myself and this and that. And I'm like, well, but what does it mean so these kids can understand so they don't they, they stop being afraid of you. So she's talking to them, and the kids are listening intently. And then a couple of people from her church was just a few clicks away from us listening. So I was like, well, this is what I would ask you. Instead of wearing gothic stuff, why don't you just take it off so people can see you? You know, a lot of times people hide behind makeup, uh, clothes, and fake smiles because they don't want people to see the true you, right? Yeah, everything's fine. I have no problems in life. God is so good when I come to church. But right before I got there, you know, there are some things going on that was really rough. Soon as I walked outside that door, I got to go back and face those same issues. So it's okay to be fine in Christ, but it's also fine to say, I just need a prayer buddy. I need a, a hand. I, I, I need an ear. So what the pastor doesn't know about me, I grew up in uh, one of the roughest parts of Houston as a kid. And um, product of a uh, single mom. And, uh, and I kind of brag because, you know, this is where God is really awesome to me. Um, some people will say, well, you know, if you grew up in a single parent home led by a mother, you're going to fall into this category. And I said, well, Paul kinds of talks about that. And um, his protege is named Timothy. And he credits Timothy's life based on the prayer, based on the upbringing of his mother and his grandmother. God can use any situation to help you get to where he wants you to go if you trust him. So I would sit out in the field with my cousins and my friends, and we would talk about 
uh, how we're going to make it out. We're not going to end up like some of these people. Not that we were calling them bad, but there's a better way of life if you seek it and if you work for it. It doesn't matter where you come from. If you include Jesus in his rightful place, he'll take you where he wants you to go. So I want prayer before I get up. I wake up in the morning and one of the first things I do, I say, God, I choose to be happy because you are with me. Your mercies carries me every day. He doesn't have to borrow mercies from yesterday. He has new mercies today. He has new mercies tomorrow. He has new mercies forever until he calls us home. So prayer. Save sinners, point number two. You ever met those holier than holy people? You've never met those holy than, you know, everybody's like, you know, you, you can't be one of us unless you have the secret handshake of Jesus Christ. Y'all have never met those people? I've met them. I've gotten out of the way and said, God, please help them truly get to know you for who you are, right? Because I need it too. I make mistakes just like anybody else. And why should I think differently of them? Until their hearts are truly changed, until my heart is truly changed, we have work to do. You have work to do. Here I am, work on me. And then be careful. This lady said she stopped praying for patience. Because God took her through a whole bunch of things. So now she prays that he would develop her. I said, well, if you go back in there, develop ends with P. P stands for patience. So you didn't really get away from it. <laughs> then love, point number three. Then God says, uh, Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another. So what is love? Love is sacrifice. Love is overlooking. Love is forgiving. Love is long-suffering. Love is trials. Love is, I do not like my spouse today, but I'm going to love him or her anyway. Now, y'all looking at me, you can't tell me that at least one day you didn't think I didn't like my spouse one day for a few seconds. He or she did something to me that if I could legally get away with what I'm thinking, I would do it. <laughs> you know, it's just something about love covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that awesome? That no matter how far to the right we get or how far to the left we get, we can always come back to God. And our sins, he said, cast them as far as the east from the west. I've been trying to calculate you know, how that works, but I, I, I can't figure it out, Pastor. I don't know how far the east is from the west. I've sailed on the east coast. I've sailed on the west coast. I'm like, they're pretty far apart. But I just don't know how far. But to know that God would forgive my sins and not remember them anymore. And then the last thing I want to leave you with is open. And what do I mean about open? Jesus says in uh, Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There was a choice some of us have made to have him as our personal savior. There's some of us who are still walking that road, and then there's some of us who are, I'm kind of questioning, and there's some that have not answered that knock. And I think about Elijah when he was running uh, and he hid in a cave, you know, there's, anybody watch this thing called Punked with Ashton Kirsten? He's the punk different actors and actresses. You know, when I think of Elijah, I'm thinking of this mighty man of God, right? Because, you know, these soldiers come up to him and he just said, hey, God, yeah, can you do me a favor? Yeah, just rain fire on these guys. Can you imagine? Thank God he doesn't give us that power today. Some of our people, some of our friends would be, you know, dead. But 
But, but this is the power Elijah had. He, God just rained fire to where they were afraid to come and talk to him. Hey, please don't rain fire. We, we just want to talk. And then this guy goes from this much power to I'm running for Jezebel. I'm hiding in a cave. I'm like, help me understand. But we have to be careful to keep our focus on God and not us. You know, I, I've was blessed and blessed where I am today, not because of anything I've done, except for surrender to God. He has surrounded me with such great people. You know, the key to success, let your people do their work. Take care of them. Respect them. Pray. Because <laughs> there's some not so good people that you don't want. And you're like, God, why did you put him or her in my pathway? But he does for a reason, because he's working on us, too. He's working on us, too. I tell people the, re the way you get power in a lot of situation. Now, just go knock your shoes off if you haven't thought about this is by forgiving. Forgiving that person that has wronged you so you can take your power back, because if you don't forgive them, what happens is every time you see them, that whatever happened comes back to mind and your emotions are hurt. Well, I, you could be having a wonderful day, you know, but I see that person and I remember and I can and I this and I that. And my thing is forgive them because it's your power unless you want to hold on to it or you want to give it away. It's up to you. So in closing, I would say thank you again for Pastor, allow me to come here today. Uh, if there's any of you that uh, are concerned about your relationship with Christ or you want to accept Christ, please get with someone here in your church and do so. Don't miss out on the opportunity. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know when he's going to call us home. But I tell you, your life is worth so much more than you can imagine because God does not make junk. And you, and, and everything I read after creation, it says, and it was good. Not that we're good, but the creation that he made was good. God bless you, thank you. Wow. How many appreciate our brother sharing this morning? We wanted to use this as a time to, again, honor you who have served. We sang a lot about freedom. We heard a lot about freedom. And if you look around the world, we're the most free country in the world. And it wasn't because it was just given to us on a platter. It's because people sacrificed themselves for us to be here today. And the same sacrifice that our military has made for us, Christ has made for us. We're free here while we live on earth. But there's going to come a time when we're no longer on earth. It's that when we have to wonder if we're going to be free. When we close our eyes here, where are we going to open them at? As, as our brother said, Jesus paved the way for you to have freedom for eternity, not just temporary freedom here. Everything that he ministered, everything that we've sung about and preached is about a relationship with Christ. And he's right. The Bible says our life is but a, vis a mist of vapor. It goes that fast. And the older you are, the faster it goes. We plan for everything. We plan for every contingency in our life. But do we plan for eternity? And that's all what this is about. Our military has planned for us to be here today, for us to honor them. But now we want to offer that back to everybody else. Are you planning for eternity? Do you know where you're going to be when you close your eyes here? 
And a lot of people, especially young people, think you're invincible. And you think about that at a later date. But the truth is, you don't have that option. That date may be tomorrow, regardless of your age. How many passed an accident this week on the road? Tyler's a fireman. He witnesses that kind of stuff every day. Some of you are police officers or related to police officers. You see it every day. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. So that means we need to prepare today. Would you stand with me as I close? Would you bow your heads for a moment? We enjoy the freedom that has been prepared for us and provided for us by our armed forces. But the freedom that we have here is only temporary. Whether it changes within our lifetime or not, it's a temporary freedom. Because if you don't know Christ, the Bible says you're still bound in sin. You're, no, you're not free. You're a slave to sin, the Bible says. And if you're a slave to sin, that means you're not prepared to meet eternity. All the enjoyment and the excitement we had here, which was a blessing, but it was all a means to show you that there is something to be gained in eternity. We talked about Christ all morning. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But like any gift, you can believe that the gift is here. You know it's there. You see it. But unless you appropriate it, you come up and you take that gift for yourself and take it home with you. That gift does you no good. It'll still be sitting here waiting for you to take it. That's the same way it is with Christ. You may know Jesus existed. You may believe that he was here but you've never really accepted his gift of salvation. You've never said to yourself, Lord, I am a sinner, and there's nothing, the Bible says, there's no good within me. In other words, you can't earn your way to heaven, no matter how good we think we are. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one. So if we can't get to heaven on our own merit, how do we get there? The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. John says, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through him. One of the scriptures we saw tonight, Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to open that door for you. He's not going to kick it in. He wants you to make the choice. He wants you to acknowledge that you need him as your savior. You need his forgiveness so that you now have a right relationship with God and you will be guaranteed that whenever your time comes, you will be with him in eternity. If you're here this morning and you've never really accepted that, you've heard about it, but you've never really made that, that leap of faith to believe that you need Jesus and you never really accepted Christ as your payment for your sins, then today is for you. It's not by accident you're here. It's not by your planning it's here because God ordained you to be here to hear something or to witness something meant to draw you in so that you know who Jesus is. And if that's you and and I know a lot of you here, God has been beating on your door for a long time. And you've, not, you've just not answered it. Well, today is the day you need to open that door. You need to accept Christ's forgiveness for your sin. You need to plan and you prepare for eternity. And trust me, when you make that choice, your whole attitude, your whole life changes. Not overnight, but a light bulb goes off in your head 
and you get it. So if that's you and you're tired of hearing that door knocked on and you want to have that peace, I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray with you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're able to meet and to worship you freely. We are thankful for all those who have served to guarantee us that right. And we honor them. We honor them. And Father, I thank you for my friend Robert, whose whole career was meant serving this country. And all of us who are here, all of you who are here who have served, we thank you. We thank you. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. The reason that any of us can be together is because of you. We thank you for the changes you've made in our life, how you've made our life so much better. We're not free from current troubles, but our trust in you allows us to live in joy and peace regardless of what's going on around us. So, Father, I pray your blessings upon each person here this morning. Allow us to leave really feeling the power of God in our life, the truth of the gospel with us. Father, we do love you this morning. Help us to really appreciate what you have given so that we could be here. We love you and we thank you, and we give you the honor because you are worthy of that. Father, we ask you to bless us as we leave this morning. Keep us in your care and always keep us close to your heart. Help us to love you and serve you the best of our ability. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a tremendous week. Thank you. Will you thank our speaker again this morning? <laughs>